0: Well, it is wonderful, wonderful to be back with you this morning. We missed you all this last week. It's wonderful to worship with God's people, with His saints. And it's just sweet to be able to have the fellowship that we have, to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together. Uh, We're thankful that today we can celebrate together with our graduates as we just give God thanks, as we give our God thanks for what He has done in their lives and and give God thanks as they move into this next season uh, of their lives. Jared, I think I'm getting an echo on the, on the Monders here, maybe, or something. And so it's just wonderful to be back with you. Uh, last week, we were down in Florida, and so we, we missed you all. Angie and I were praying for you, but we missed being with you and worshiping together with you. About a year ago, when we were all starting this whole pandemic thing, um, we had our 25th an- wedding anniversary, and so Angie and I uh, celebrated uh, locked in our homes. Home. We live in one place. <laughs> and... Uh, so for our 25th wedding anniversary, we decided we would uh, have a paint party, so we went and bought some paint, and after six years of living in wealth, and we finally painted those lime green walls in our bedroom, and so that was our twenty-five. and so this year for our 25th and our 26th, we went down to Florida, and we enjoyed some sun, we enjoyed our time together and, and enjoyed some good food, but, but we missed being with you all last week, and so it's good to be back with you today, and uh, it's just sweet to worship our God together, so... Well, if you would join me uh, let's go to our god in prayer and let's just give him thanks for this day Uh, lord god we we do come before you and we praise you for your marvelous grace we praise you for your love for us we praise you for the way that your spirit directs us and leads us that fills us Uh, this morning we come together and we we are thankful as we celebrate with our graduates both in the time that we've spent in the service to to just reflect on what you've done in their lives for the joy that they have brought to us as we, um, as we prepare for a, a bit of a potluck and, and a feast together today as we celebrate with them as well. Father, we pray for these five individuals who are moving into this next season of their lives. We pray for them that their eyes would be focused on you, that their um, love would be for um, you and for your grace, for your word. Might they be beacons of light as they go out into this world and the various places that You take them. I I pray that You would bless them. Father, we pray that during this service as we continue our worship, we pray that You would bless this time that we have together. We pray that You would bless this time in Your Word and that You would teach us and fill us as we take these principles that we find here and as we live them out and walk in obedience to You. And so please open our ears I pray that You would help us to understand and and hear the the words that that come off of these pages. I pray that You would help us to understand these words and that our minds would be engaged in what You give to us here. And, And Father, we pray that You would soften our hearts. I pray that You would reveal sin and that You would convict us and that You would encourage us and exhort us where we need all of these things. And might we walk with You and look more like Jesus as we are conformed into His image. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I began by telling you that I was going to preach a sermon that was full of, of bad news, and, and it was. As we considered what the Bible says about that, the shattered image that, um, the shattered image, we, we looked at how the image of God was marred by sin when Adam and Eve fell from their perfect state. We considered how mankind has been at war with God ever since and by nature and by choice every single one of us we have inherited uh, this sin nature because the entire human race is totally depraved and adam's sin has been imputed to each one of us furthermore we we because each one and every single one of us is completely unable to save ourselves we're completely unable to change our condition as we live in sin uh we are also, we became object of, objects of God's wrath. We were destined for an eternity to be separated from this holy God, deserved the punishment that, we, that were the wages of our sin. And, and as we saw, this, this is bad news, isn't it? Would you agree? I'm glad three of you agree about that. You know, this is bad news. This is horrible news. But thanks be to God who loves us and who designed the perfect solution for our sin problem. The good news is that He Himself took on flesh. Jesus Christ, God Himself, became a man. He dwelt among us as one of us. And then He became our sin by dying on a Roman cross. And on the cross, God actually unleashed all of of that wrath on the person of Jesus Christ who bore the penalty of our sin in Himself. And He gave Himself for us so that we who believe in Him would become children of God, and that we would inherit eternal life. Well, as we continue to dwell on what God has has told us about sin and about God's wrath and, and about His solution to this problem, uh, that good news is going to be the focus of what we consider today. Now, if you weren't, haven't been here for the first half of this, this series, let me just catch you up a little bit. We are presently in the middle of what we call one of our We Believe sermon series. Uh, theology is important because The things that we believe have been explained to us by our god in his word in the bible and so every single one of us uh, every every, excuse me so every once in a while we take some time to examine some of these core doctrines that the church believes and as always our priority is not in examining what we say about these things but what does god say in his word that leads us to believe what we do What, what does god teach us in the bible that leads the church to believe what we believe About these things including sin and man's fallen state and so presently we've been considering the doctrine of sin from the perspective of what God says about mankind being created in the image of God we noted that the first use of this terminology in the Bible it appears right in the very first chapter of the of Genesis and 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 this would understand that this would have been an a, a gigantic paradigm shift for, for the, the, the Hebrew slaves who had just been freed from over 400 years of slavery. And as Moses is editing the book of Genesis and pulling it all together, and, and, and maybe some of them hearing some of these stories for the first time about Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and Joseph. Uh, some of them maybe hearing for the first time about their God as a creator that, that was very different from the stories that they'd heard in Egypt. And, and right there at the very beginning, they hear that, that they were created in the image of God. And you see, in Egypt, the Hebrews had heard all the time that Pharaoh... Pharaoh was the image of God. That's the theology that had been ingrained into their minds for 400, over 400 years. The gods, they were told, made Pharaoh in their image. Obey Pharaoh. He rules over you because He is the image of God. And the theology of the ancient worlds, Uh, the kingdoms were were, the kings were living images of the gods is what all these kingdoms were taught and especially in egypt and in egypt the pharaoh acted as the one who was placed there in the land to rule in place of all the gods And, and this was the teaching that was meant to keep the slaves under the thumb of the egyptian rulers however as we oftentimes see and especially as we saw in exodus many times god tends to flip things upside down doesn't he He takes bad theology, bad doctrine, things that are taught in in all of our cultures that that lead us to destruction, and God says, let me show you something better. Let me show you something incredible. I'm going to flip all that upside down and show you something entirely different. And so once again, God flips everything upside down, and He teaches a completely different way for His new people to see life. A completely new way for them to see their relationship to Him. It wasn't Moses that they had to go to. that Moses was now the image of God that they had to obey. But God comes to these people and He says, you are created in My image. Men, women, male, female, all of you are image bearers. And so God challenged that doctrine and He explained to His people that every man and every woman was created in God's image. Not just Pharaoh. Every descendant of Adam and Eve has been created to represent their Creator, and all of us are image bearers. And as image bearers, we are God's ambassadors here on this earth. Uh, this morning, I speak to all of us. I speak to our graduates in particular, but but this applies to, to every single one of us as we continue through this, this time, considering what it means to be made in the image of God and how that image has been has been shattered, and, and what God is doing to restore that. But graduates, you know, you you're turning a page and are beginning a new season of your lives and we all know that a lot is going to change a lot is going to change in this next year you're going to be challenged with new ideas your faith is going to be criticized in your schools that you attend and some of the relationships with some of your friends your relationships with your parents and your friends and your community is going to encounter new dynamics responsibilities will continue to increase new temptations are going to come across your path new opportunities are going to come across your path and that's why it's important for you to consider what it means to be image bearers and as you go out into the world whether it's in community college or into the workforce or to, to iowa state or university of iowa and all these places that you go you are called to be representatives of the living god you are called to be the image of God in that place so that when people see you, they see a representation of who God is. And the way you walk will teach them who your God is. The way that you speak will teach them the way that your God speaks. The way that you think and act and carry yourself will reveal to, to those around you the character of the God that you serve. And you know, For all of us, every single one of us, graduates, young people, older people in the latter seasons of your life he desires for you to live in a way that you are passionately pursuing a life that is lived out resembling your maker the one the maker whom you have been created to represent in the bible the bible doesn't claim that we were created to physically look like god don't get the idea that being made in the image of god means that you know he has a nose like this and it, it, it's, the, it's, it's not that we were created to physically look like him but rather we are created to act like him to imitate him to represent him in everything that we do in everything that we say in everything that we think this week and next week we're going to examine how god is is restoring that image so that once again we can represent him in a way that brings him glory well the um the second concept that we well, that we considered in this last couple weeks is that the image has been shattered we were created in the image of god to represent him but that image was shattered when adam and eve sinned all men and women are still created reflect god's magnificence but, but we've seen how sin it, it mars um, the way that we serve as a, as his ambassadors uh, so uh, sin distorts the image so extremely that y- usually it's, un- it's unrecognizable as you look around at the human race. Uh, this last week, while Angie and I were down in Florida, Angie and I encountered some unique individuals in the places that we went to. And whether it was at the beach or at different restaurants or on the airplane... Uh, I, I couldn't believe it. When we left the airport, you know, usually you see, find some crazy people on the roads, but I mean, there were Lamborghinis and Porsches and Mianas and Corvettes just zooming, I mean, four or five lanes across, going 30, 40 miles an hour over the speed limit. And you, you see people like this on the interstate normally, but it, it was unbelievable. In the first 10 minutes on the road, we got passed by so many car, sports cars, and I'm sure there were rentals and people from everywhere just going, Haha, I can do anything I want, I'm invulnerable. But but it was crazy, and 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 we certainly saw some unique individuals over those few days as you find anywhere in the world Uh, and yet god commands us in scripture that we are not to slander or revile other human beings because they also are made in the image of god so angie and i continued to um look at one another as we encountered various people and we said they're made in the image of god they are made in the image of god And, and we we learned to smile as we watched some interesting things take place but uh, on our return flight, the people that were sitting next to us, um, it was it a was really crazy situation. They were, they were just stirring up strife. Uh, from the time they got on the plane, they sat in seats that intentionally that were not theirs because they wanted to sit together but obviously didn't get there, get there in time. Um, and so they're stirring up strife. People are in the wrong seats. They're bossing one another around. They're telling people where to go and, and flight attendants are trying to intervene and, and uh, they're muttering racist comments about one another and the people in front of them. Uh, completely disregarding the rules of the plane, got to the point that the flight attendant got on the PA and, and sternly uh, told told one individual, well, told everybody, but they were pointing pointing at a couple individuals that they need to sit down, and and they um, firmly warned, please respect the authority of your pilot. I've never heard that on a plane before, but but uh, it got serious and uh, sit down. And so, you know, some of it was so ridiculous that I found myself just holding back laughter as, as I'm watching some of the weird things that people were doing. Uh, putting um, the, the, the alcohol wipes in, inside their mask. and you know, Just, it just the, the weird things that, the people, that people do. Um, but some of it was so ridiculous that I just had to turn away to the, to the window and just, I just started laughing and Angie was laughing with me. And we, we looked at one another and we said, they're made in the image of God. <laughs> they are made in god's image and though that image might be marred and and people can be really weird uh, and sinful um, that image has been shattered but the image still remains it it still remains sin distorts the way that we represent our creator and it distorts our our worship but that image remains in all human beings and uh, you know it's so distorted that in romans the book of romans chapter one tells us this regarding the futile way of thinking of those who suppress the truth Chapter 1 verse 22. It says claiming to be wise they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And this is completely bonkers. I mean listen to this. What what listen to what Paul tells us. The word for idol if you've ever heard of an idol those little stone figurines people put on their mantle places and they worship those things the word for idol is the same word in the hebrew and greek i believe for image the same word that god uses regarding you being created the image of god is the same word that that is used of those people creating stone figurines that are idols images images that they worshiped and so god commanded the hebrew people early on and he says you are not to make any images and 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 are not to worship or serve them And one of the reasons that God gave this command and forbid them from making such things, because God had already made an image. God had already made an image of Himself that was specifically designed for them to be a representation of Him. Not a physical representation of what He looks like, but physical representatives that live here on this earth and serve Him and represent who He is, the God of the universe. God already made the image. Us. And so he says, I don't want you making other images, because you're not going to be able to make something that can represent me. But you see, sin is so backwards that mankind has created images, idols, and and they worship them. Not only images that are made in our image, man's image, but, but images in the likeness of animals that were created to be ruled by mankind. This gets so crazy and so bizarre. If you go to the other end of the Bible, in Roman, uh, excuse me, Revelation 13, it tells us that one day, things are going to become so bonkers, so backwards, that the people of the earth are going to make an image. Again, same word. They're going to make an image of the one that is called the Antichrist. And the people of the earth will worship this idol. And sin has shattered the image of God and our representation, the way that we represent our Creator it's so distorted that it became, it became beyond recognition in our walk. But the good news is that God has a solution to that problem. God has a solution for restoring that image among mankind. And I'd like you to turn to three New Testament passages, starting with Colossians chapter 1, as we observe the perfect way in which God restores this image among men. First of all, we see that the image... Uh, we we're gonna see in these three passages that the image the image of the, of the invisible God, we believe that it is only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ that we can be rescued, reconciled, and renewed. And the author of the book of Colossians states it in this way in chapter one, verse thirteen. He says, He has delivered us, God, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Later this month, we're going to be, be, begin a journey through the Epistle of Colossians that will take us through the summer. But, so, I'm not going to spend too much time on the details here in this passage today. But, but having made this incredible statement about Jesus, who has redeemed us, who has rescued us from, from the, the kingdom that we once served, where the image of God was no longer visible because, because of the darkness that we walked in, we couldn't see who he was. In verse 15, the Holy Spirit goes on to say this about Jesus. He, Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And now don't don't fly past that statement because that, that right there is a game changer. Jesus is the image. It's the same word that we've been using about Idols in the Old Testament, idols in the New Testament. It's the same word that's used of us being created in the image of God. And Paul uses that word right here. And he said, Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God. Scripture teaches us that God is a spirit and He doesn't have a physical body like we do. He's not made of flesh and blood. He is invisible. So how do you know? How do you get to know and to serve and and to walk with a God that you can't see? How do we do that? Philip asked that same question in John chapter 14. You remember Thomas asked Jesus where He's going and, and, and what the truth was and, and, and what you know, we don't know the way. And, and Jesus responded in John 14.6, I'm the way, Thomas. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. And then Philip, he says to Jesus, he says, Lord, show us the Father. And, and it is enough for us and I love Jesus' response. Jesus turns to him and says, (laughs) Philip, Philip, have have I been with you so long and you still do not know Me? Philip, whoever has seen Me has seen the Father. We serve an invisible God and we were created to represent Him as those made in His image. But that image was shattered but now jesus has stepped into humanity and he has become the image the with with all capital letters underlined circled italicized and in bold jesus is the image of the invisible god And if you want to know what god is like if you want to know what it's like to be the image and image of of the invisible god jesus is the perfect ambassador Now listen to what God says about Him. Verse 16, He goes on and says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. In other words, Paul here reminds us that Jesus is the Creator Himself. Jesus, the Son of God, the, the One who stepped into human form that, that took on flesh and lived among us. This same Jesus is the same Creator who made all things. If something was made, it was Jesus that did it. But now that very same Creator who continues to hold it all together, because not only did He create it, but he, he sustains it and makes sure that it doesn't blow up and just implode. We wouldn't want that this Sunday morning. You know, our graduates are just barely getting out of high school. We don't want anybody imploding today. Jesus is holding all of us together and has from the beginning of time, this same Jesus now becomes part of the creation. And He dwells with us. And He is the head of the body in verse 18, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. We'll talk a lot about what that means as we come to the book of Colossians. But for in Him, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And so, it's laid out for us that God has a perfect plan. God wants to redeem sinful humanity and in our sinfulness, in our with this shattered, marred image, God wants to restore that in us. And in His perfect plan to redeem sinful humanity and to restore the image of God in man, God started it all with the creator stepping into our creation jesus is the perfect representative of god first of all because he is god last week angie and i uh, one of the stops we made down in florida we came to a a a turtle rehabilitation center uh it it was pretty cool actually there's there's all these turtles that they find on the beach or floating out in the ocean that can't dive they just have problems we even saw one getting a breathing treatment uh and had a big tube over its head it looked miserable but um, they're helping these turtles get better and and the, the place that we were at um near Juno Beach was one of the prime nesting grounds where sea turtles make their way uh in in during this season and they they go under the warm sand they lay their eggs and so we went in to see some of these giant turtles and, and they were big some of them were what six feet six feet long there's a couple of them that were just just gargantuan um but in the main lobby we took notice uh, up above as we were looking at all the different displays. Angie looked up and she she like, "Wow, is that real?" And I looked up and there's there's this giant turtle skeleton. Uh, I looked it up it's an archelon. And and it hung from the the ceiling. It had to have been 15 20 feet long and, and it was a magnificent specimen of of an extinct dinosaur turtle. And we so we discussed whether this was a real fossil, was this the real thing or was this an uh, was this a, a replica? Uh, of the original it turns out that it was a replica and it was, it was copied from the original but but we had a hard time distinguishing the imprint from from the actual fossil it, lo- it looked real the, the the textures and everything that were, were part of it um, even though it was a copy the author of hebrews uses certain uh, similar imagery in the first chapter of his letter I invite you to turn to hebrews chapter one with me he uses that same imagery of, of Angie and my discussion regarding this imprint that was made. And, and, and here in his letter, he's describing Jesus. And, and he notes how during the days of the Old Testament, God revealed Himself to His people through the prophets. Sometimes He used visions. Sometimes He used dreams. Sometimes uh, He um, taught them lessons from history or used their poetry, different voices. But God revealed His nature to the prophets of old but with that there there remained a lot of questions there were some things that the people just didn't understand there were things that were still mysteries that were still to be revealed as time went on and and here's what hebrews tells us chapter 1 verse 1 long ago at many times and in many ways god spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed, the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. There it is again. He's the creator, he's the one that made everything. And so again, Jesus, God, has in, in Jesus, God has done something even greater than the prophets. The, the prophets were were just messengers of the King. But in Jesus, the heir of all things, the King Himself has, has come and dwelt with us. In fact, once again, Jesus is the very one who created the entire world. Who better to explain the Creator and His creation than the Creator Himself? And he continues, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And making, after making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on, on high. And I'd like you to take notice of what the Lord says about Jesus here. First, He, he talks about Him being the, the radiance Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. And over the years, you've heard me say it many times and talk about how we are created to reflect the magnificence of God. We've talked about how like the, the moon, it's just, it's just a cold, dark rock that's floating out in space. It's all it is. It does some cool things like bringing in the tide and, and some of those things. But, but it's just a cold, dark rock that's just floating around our planet. And it doesn't shed any light, does it? Until it reflects the glory of the sun. And when the sun shines on that moon, um, you can go out and, and, and see all over the place. And it's beautiful. It's, it, we, we love it. Um, in that same way, you and I, we're, we're just like cold dead rocks floating out there. But when God reflects His magnificence on us, it, it's glorious. And, and that's what it's like to be the image of God. People see us living out a reflection of who our Creator is And it brings Him glory, just like the moon shows the glory of the sun. However, it's not the same with Jesus. Again, we are created in His image and we are called to show the world what God is like, but Jesus, is He just another reflection of God's glory like us? Is He just another uh, one who who reflects the the magnificence of, of God the Father? author Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory. He is the sun himself, not just light bouncing off of the moon. Jesus is the glorious one. The radiance comes from him. He's not just a reflection of it. The author of Hebrews then calls Jesus, he calls him the exact imprint of God's nature. Now, the, the replica of that fossil that I saw last week was pretty, it was amazing. It was beautiful. It was cool. But it looked like the real deal. And yet, even, even its, its de, in its details, it had flaws. But Jesus is the image of God. And though He's the image of God, He isn't just a replica created to represent the God, God the Father. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. If you want to know exactly what God is like, if you want to know exactly uh, how God thinks about us and what He says about Himself, if you want to know God, then follow Jesus. Again, he is the image of the invisible God, underlined with all caps, bold, italicized, don't forget to circle it. Jesus is the image of God. And our creator has called us to live as that image of as the image of God. And if you want to understand what it means to perfectly represent him, then you need to look no further than Jesus Himself, because He is God's radiance. He is the exact imprint of god's nature he is god himself and he upholds the universe and furthermore he made purification for our sins and he completed the solution for our sin problem he says it's finished and now he sits at the father's right hand the third passage that i'd like us to look at in philippians chapter 2 and so if you turn with me to one last passage of scripture as we consider jesus as the image of the invisible god doesn't use that word here in this passage but the concepts are, are important Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to read the entire passage um, from verses 1 forward, one to, 1 to 11. He says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count, one an, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, now, that's a difficult one, isn't it? It's a difficult one, because we tend to think pretty highly of ourselves. And we may not say it out loud, but just the way we approach life, the way that we do things, the way we go about everything on an ordinary, everyday basis, we usually think that we're pretty cool. And we treat ourselves that way um we approach life with an an entitled attitude but but god tells us to take on a different perspective altogether towards others he says i want you to do the math i want you to consider to count i want you to do the math on on your worth and on the worth of others how significant are you and how significant is your neighbor how significant are you and, and how significant is your wife? How significant are you and, and how significant is that person that just drives you crazy at work? And then I want you to consider what ways you would demonstrate that value of what you calculated. And, and, and he says, count. I want you to count other people as more significant than yourself. That's hard. Because usually, we hold ourselves pretty high esteem by the way that we take care of our own needs. By the way we take care of our own wants. You don't get up in the morning and go, hmm, how can I take care of myself today? We just do it automatically. You feed yourself. Why? Because you value yourself. You think you're pretty significant. And so you take care of your basic needs. You do go beyond that. You take care of your wants. And, and that's not bad. But God says, I want you to Consider others and consider them and count them more significant than yourself. Of course, if anyone should think pretty highly of himself, who should think highly of themselves? It would be Jesus. I mean, here is the perfect image of God. This is the One who came and He dwelt among us and He showed us perfectly what it means to live in the image of God. To live a perfect life without sin. He's the Creator. He's our Sustainer. He's our Redeemer. He is better than all the others. He is holy. He is pure. He is perfect. And so, how, how did this One who is the perfect image of God, the exact imprint of God's nature, how did He count Himself? What does the Bible say about that? Our passage continues. Look at verse 5. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, that means He, he was God Himself. He was the exact imprint. It's Paul's way of saying the same thing Hebrews says. He was the in the form of God. He did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped. He didn't come in and say, Hey, you know what? I'm God. You all, you all need to show me the respect that's my due. He he didn't he didn't say, wait, wait, uh, give up my glory in heaven? Become a baby? Have my diapers changed? Are you kidding me? None, none of that. Jesus. Looked at it all, and he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, even though he was equal with God. didn't have to hold on to it all. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. That imprint that we're talking about. Jesus is the perfect imprint of God the Father. You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. But what form did he take? What imprint did he put on himself? A servant? A servant? And what an upside down way of living life. That's not how we think of doing things, is it? Consider others more significant than myself. Serve others. Become a servant. Represent God by humbling yourself. We are heirs of God's Kingdom. So, normal mentality says, give me what's due. I'm I'm an heir of the Kingdom of God. I'm a co-heir with Jesus Christ. You need to respect me. But Jesus says, no, that's not how my heirs live out. They serve. They humble themselves. I like how John Piper summed this up in this concept. He said, where where does that that other-oriented commitment come from? Verse 3 says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. It, It comes from humility. Literally, lowliness. This is the great opposite of a sense of entitlement. Humility is the opposite of you owe me. Why? Why do Christians walk through life feeling a humble sense that we owe service to people rather than them owing us? And the answer is that Christ loved us and died for us and forgave us and accepted us and justified us and gave us eternal life and made us heirs of the world when He owed us nothing. He treated us as worthy of His service when we were not worthy of His service. He took thought not only for His own interests, but for ours. He counted us as greater than Himself." Did you catch that? Jesus counted you as greater than Himself. That's how He treated you. Who is greater, He said? One who reclines at table? Or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. The God of the universe stepped into human flesh and he dwelt among us. Greatness, from our perspective, would have meant that that at his arrival, his arrival should have been announced. He should have announced it. He should have walked in and said, I'm here. The king should have been served. He should have announced any time he stepped into a room that he'd arrived. Show your allegiance, show your respect, show your gratitude. But instead, He showed us greatness by seeking and by serving the lost. And this is the example that we are called to follow. Before we conclude, allow me to give you just a taste of where we're going to go with this next week. Christ's plan for our salvation goes beyond just giving us eternal life. And that's great, and He does. He gives us eternal life. He gives us forgiveness. He's redeemed us. He's saved us but it's more than just our redemption it's bigger than us just getting into heaven these concepts include that god is restoring the image of god in those who follow jesus back in romans chapter eight we're told this and we know that for those who love god all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose okay so we're called according to his purpose what's that purpose you hear that we are called according to his purpose He called us in order to accomplish His plan for our lives. And so He continues and says, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to what? To the image. But look at the change here. To the image of His Son. In order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And that's where this is going. and That's where we'll spend a bit more time next week. But God created us to represent Him. But the image of God was shattered as we've seen because of sin. Jesus, the perfect image of the invisible God, has redeemed us and has perfectly revealed God our Creator. But now, He is in the process of conforming us to the image of Jesus. If we are to be image bearers, and we will do so most effectively when we are being conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. We walk as He walked. We serve in the same way that He served. We talk as He would talk. We think as He would think. Because we are being conformed to the image of Jesus. Graduates, as you go to college, as you go into the workforce, remember, that you are not going there to get a college degree. That is not the purpose for you to be at, at community college, at Iowa State, at, at University of Iowa. As you go into the workforce and, and business and, and design and photography and computer... Um, I, that, I just masquered that, sorry. Uh, the computer science. science, thank you. What was so hard about that, right? I'm glad it's you, because I obviously can't do that part. Computer science. As you go into these things, you, you are not there to become a computer scientist. That is not what God's called you to do. Now, you may become the world's greatest computer scientist. You may become the greatest, world's greatest businessman. The, the world's most wonderful photographer. People may just marvel at your work, but that is not your purpose for being there. Your purpose is to glorify and honor Him. Your purpose is to reflect His magnificence. And so if He makes you the world's greatest computer scientist... That's wonderful, but you just remember that you are not a Christian. You're not a computer scientist that happens to be a Christian. You're not a computer scientist that happens to be a follower of Jesus. You're not a businessman that just happens to be somebody that loves Jesus. You are a photographer. You are a Christian who just happens to be a photographer. You're a Christian that just happens to be a graphics design artist. Whatever you do and whatever God gives you in success in, your first priority is following Jesus. And in your careers and your family and all the other things that God puts into your life, those are secondary. Your first and primary calling is to reflect His magnificence as you are an image bearer. And He will give you great success in those things uh, as, you walk, as you walk in His, in His ways but your success needs to be defined by honoring Him. All of us. We're called to be image bearers. and We're different places in our lives. Some of us are just starting families. Uh, some of you are just starting retirement. Some of you are in the latter season of your life. And, and you recognize that, that your opportunities are, 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 are not, there's not that many years. Where, wherever you're at, wh- whether you have 10 years left on this earth or 100 years left on this earth, You need to understand that in whatever season of life that you're in, you are an image bearer. You are called to reflect His magnificence in whatever way He has given you that opportunity. And so start well. Finish well. Walk as Jesus walked. Serve as He served. Talk as He talked. And live out a life that reflects His magnificence as you are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank You again for Your Word. We thank You for the things that You teach us here. As we continue to bear Your image, sometimes very imperfectly, is my prayer today that, that You would open up our eyes to what that would look like. To what it would look like for Jesus to be the image of the invisible God. And as we long for that image to be restored in us. Might each one of us imitate Jesus Christ. Might we walk with You. Might we serve You. Pray that we would glorify You as we are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ today. As we enjoy some food together, as we go from here and we enjoy some fellowship, and as we celebrate with our graduates, thanking You for the accomplishments that You have brought about in them looking forward to the continued work that you will have in them. I pray that you just bless this time. You bless the food to our bodies that we're about to partake in. And might this be a time of of joy and celebration. Amen.